They're in our thoughts, our wishes, and of course, they're there in our bank accounts, as we've spoken about, to be giving them our moral support, our prayers, and our money. They need money. People need money. They really need money. And Hashem should send them a Yeshua very soon. Hashem should turn everything around. It's now Adar properly. Chaydish Adar. Mishan Nichnas Adar Marbim Basimcha. That's the month that the Mazel of Adar is on our side. The Mazel of Klai Yisrael peaks right now. We're unbeatable. We're unstoppable. And <clears throat> all of our foes should be proven to be beatable and stoppable. You should see a turnaround, a turnaround, a nahapachu. In Ukraine, for the, for the better of everyone, of Klai Yisrael, and the turnarounds everywhere for the betterment of Klai Yisrael. And now let's get to Pekudei. So it's Parshas Pekudei, Chazak. Pekudei Chazak. We're finishing a Sefer Shalem. Sefer Shemais is coming to an end this week. And uh, let us be mechazak ourselves with a few of the timeless lessons over here from Parshas Pekudei as we roll in and, 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 uh, and arrive at the end of this, uh, of, this, of this great journey we've gone on together through Sefer Shemais. In the beginning of Pekudei, the Torah introduced the parasha with This is the accounting, the great accounting of the, of, of the Mishkan, the Mishkan Ha'edus, <clears throat> the accountings of the Mishkan, the sanctuary, the sanctuary of testimony, which was accounted based on, with, on Moshe's say, the Avodas HaLevim and the, what the Levim were charged with, what the Levim did, and everything that went on in the Mishkan, so we're about to get a grand accounting. So Pekude is the accounting, and the accounting means, um, as we see immediately when we, when we go through the, the beginning of the parasha, the grand totals of all the materials that were donated, the gold, the silver, the, the copper, what they all went to, we have a reckoning, we have a totaling, and we have a great big accounting for everything. And before we get to the accounting, in the very first Pasuk, there's a, a, a redundancy that Rashi picks up on, and that's the word Mishkan, is, is, is repeated over here. Mentioned twice, Mishkan, Mishkan Eidus. This is the accounting, accounting of the Mishkan, Mishkan Eidus, Mishkan, Mishkan. It's interesting doubling, interesting redundancy. Rashi says, why do we have the word Mishkan twice? Because the equivalent of the Mishkan, and that is the Beis HaMikdash, which was the permanent uh, replacement for the Mishkan, which stood on the Temple Mount in, in Jerusalem, was Nismashken B'Shnei Churbanim Alavinusein Shal Yisrael. The Beis HaMikdash was repossessed twice by God. It was taken as a mashkon. Mishkan, mishkan. Mishkan can mean sanctuary, but it can be read as mashkon. Mashkon means a collateral. It was repossessed, it was taken as a collateral twice by God. Allah by essential Yisrael because of the sins of Kala Yisrael. In other words, it was destroyed. God took it back. God took it back. The mishkan, the Beis HaMikdash, was taken back twice by God. So when we read what Rashi says back into the Pasuk, Essentially, the Pasuk is really just alluding to the Churban, right? It's, 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 a re, it's, it's, it's alluding and hinting to the fact that there's going to be a Churban of the Grand Mishkan, that's the Beis HaMikdash, is going to be destroyed twice for our Averis. Eilab Kurei HaMishkan Mishkan. Mashkan, Mashkan, 
the, Mish- the Beit HaMikdash is going to be repossessed, taken away by God twice. And again, if, if we just try to summarize the word over here, the idea that, that's being alluded to in this first Pasuk, it seems to be telling us that, hey, you know, you guys are getting it now, but you're going to lose it. You're going to lose this. And not only are you going to lose it, you're going to lose it twice. There's going to be churban. There's going to be tur churbanis. And that's what's being alluded to over here. And that's what we would quickly take away from this. Which is a little bit depressing, you know, and, and a little funny, a little incongruous. You know, you think, Pekude is concluding Shemais. Shemais in all of its glory, the Mishkan. You know, this is, this is, this is Klai Yisrael, according to Rashi, having restored ourselves to our glory, our former glory that we were at before we committed the sin of the golden calf. And we have restored that pristineness to Klai Yisrael. We have returned to our state of Kedusha with a triumph. We have followed all the plans. We did exactly what God wanted. We came with a fervor, with an excitement to donate materials to the Beis HaMikdash. We've constructed the Mishkan and we brought it all to Moshe. There's, there's an excitement right now. There's a triumph right now. There's a celebration right now. We're making a Mishkan. We're building a Mishkan. And this, of all places, is where the Torah says, yeah, but, but Mashkan, Mashkan is going to get destroyed twice. There's going to be two churbanas. This is the right message now in the middle of all the celebration. I mean, we're going to have to deal enough with that Rish Nisan when we get up to uh, Vayikra. And not about an Avi, we're going to be struck down on opening day of the Mishkan. That's already bad enough. Why does the Torah have to choose this of all places to go out of its way to tell us that yeah, it's nice, it's kishmak, it's beautiful, but you know what's going to get destroyed twice? A little funny. There's a lot of places the Torah could use and choose to, to, uh, to hint to this that there's going to be destruction. Why of all places does the Torah over here, in our moment of triumph, our moment of glory, our moment that we're shining, that we're making the Mishkan, we're, we're providing HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Mikdash we're providing Hashem with that place that He's going to reside in, this is the right time again for this message that yeah, but it's going to be destroyed twice. Everyone knew the problem, the question over here? The incongruousness, incongruity, and incongruousness, it's a problem. It's a problem. It needs to be addressed. The emphasis is like this. The emphasis is, our question is not just a question, our question is an answer. And our question, in fact, allows us to see that, that something different is going on over here. What was our question? Our question was, how could it be that the Torah, as we are making the Mishkan, as we are celebrating the Mishkan, we're finally creating a place for Hashem to rest amongst us, to make a place within the, the finite where the infinite can come, Here's an old place where the Torah is going to say, yeah, yeah, but you know you guys are going to lose it twice. You're going to lose it twice. Our question was, it's bothersome. It's like very out of line and very, very, very much like a mood killer over here. And like a, a, a just like it destroys everything. It's like, it's like, um, you know, everyone, each of us can remember the first day we got our license, the first day we took out our parents' car for a spin. So imagine we come home, we pass the driver's test, we proudly show our father, look, here's my license. And so what would happen, you know, if our father would look at the license, dad, and he says, you know, I, I, I can only imagine now how many times you're going to smash up my car in the first six months of your driving. I'm just thinking right now of all the, time, all the accidents you're going to get into, all the insurance claims that I'm going to have to make, all the, all the times, you know, how many times am I going to have to replace this car now, now that you have a license? That's the first thing your dad says when you get a license. That's you gotta, you know, your dad has to maybe 
maybe, maybe renew his dad license. You know, what kind of dad is that? That's not what you tell your kid when he gets his driver's license. You tell him, ah, I'm so excited for you, I'm so proud, I'm so happy for you, congratulations, you're going to be an excellent driver, you're going to be an amazing driver. You know, you tell your kid all the accidents he's going to get into, he probably will get into all those accidents. You tell your kid you're going to be an amazing driver, he'll be an amazing driver. I'm so excited, I'm so proud, I'm so happy, I can't wait to send you shopping for me, I can't wait to send you to pick up the kids from school, I can't wait to send you to drop the kids off at school, right? That's what you tell your kid. It's, oh, I'm thinking now about all the accents you're going to get to. This is the question we're asking over here. We just made a mishka. Now, Kodesh Baruch is saying, mashkan, mashkan. Yeah, it's going to get destroyed twice. Vas epis. The Territ says, of course, it doesn't make any sense. And the Territ is, in fact, saying the opposite. It's her saying exactly the opposite. Mamish the opposite. We're not talking about churban. We're not talking about destruction. At the very place where we are finally with triumph and with excitement and celebration, bringing the Shekhin into this world and making a mishkan, we're not talking about the temporalness and the losing of the Mishkan, the destruction. We're talking about the permanence of the Mishkan, the permanence of the Beis HaMikdash, the fact that we're getting it now, we're getting it forever. Vasebis, it seems to be saying the opposite. It's not saying the opposite at all. The Torah is not talking about Churban. If the Torah wanted to talk about Churban, we could have said what? Eilu pikudei ha-Mishkan sha'asid li charev. We would have said a lashon of Churban. The Torah can allude to it. The Torah has no shortage, no, no, no lack of means at its disposal of alluding to the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash and the collapse of the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is going up in flames. We can have a word about Eish, a word about Churban, any kind of word we can have over here. The Torah has no problem with hinting to things in, in terms of destruction. The Torah could have very well have done that. If the Torah wants to talk about Churban, destruction, how does the Torah choose it's a hint to this fact that it's going to be destroyed twice. Mashkun, mashkun. Elip kudeh ha-mishkun, mishkun ha-edus. As Rashi, it's really mashkun, mashkun. Collateral, collateral. This is the mishkun that's going to be not destroyed twice, not ruined twice, not wrecked twice, but taken as a mashkun twice. Taken away as a mashkun. Collateral. And we see such a deep and profound ideas going on over here. What's the Torah telling us? The exact opposite of what we thought. When you read this Rashi quickly, it sounds like, okay, yeah, the Torah is telling us, you may have it now, but you know, you're going to lose it, not just once, you're going to lose it twice. Fakir, the Torah is saying, it's impossible to lose the Mishkan, because even when I take it, it's taken as a mashkoin. It's taken as a mashkoin. Even when you're going to lose it, you're not losing it forever. You're not losing it for good, because you have the Mishkan with permanence. The Mishkan is yours for eternity. The Mishkan is a permanent part of Kalei Even when I take it, I'm only taking it as a mashkoin. A mashkoin is a collateral. A collateral is something that you get back. Collateral is something that the Baal Choyv takes until you're able to come up with the cash. And then you get it back. That's what a mashkoin means in, by definition. A mashkoin in Lambdas is something that I have temporarily, not with permanence. I'm just waiting for you to make up what, what, what's owed to me, and then you'll get it back. So yes, we sinned, and the, and the Beis HaMikdash had to be destroyed, but it wasn't really destroyed, it was repossessed, and it wasn't even repossessed. It was seized as collateral, not even a repossession. Repossession, you know, generally don't get that back. This was seized as a collateral until you can pay it off. It wasn't being paid off. Okay, you're going to have to go through Gullus. You have to go through a 70-year gullus and bubble. Nope, but then you'll get it back again. It was destroyed a second time. I invite you to take it as a mashka and as a collateral, but you'll get it back. When do you get it back? When you pay off the next debt. It'll be a couple thousand years of gullus. 
But then you'll pay that one off, and then you'll get it back again. So far from the Torah telling us over here, a very gloomy, depressing idea in the midst of the celebration, in the midst of us creating, the, for the first time ever, a place for Hashras Hashchina, far from the Torah, in the midst of all that celebration, giving us this gloomy, down, down, depressing idea that, yeah, but you're going to lose it, the Torah is saying, you're so not going to lose it that even when it looks like you've lost it, it's only, only temporarily, it's going to be a mashkoin. And how are we able to pull that off? That's from Parshas Pekude. That's what happened as a result of Klaiso Taka making this makam for the Vishachanti Besoicha, making the place for the Hashras Hashchina, making the Mikdash Ma'at, what Klaiso succeeded in pulling off for the very first time over here was happening now and for eternity. What we were able to accomplish over here and creating a mishkan for the Veshachanti Besoichem was so solid, so powerful, that says the Torah, even when I'm going to have to destroy it, well, look what you guys pulled off. Mishkan, mishkan, mashkan, mashkan. You guys did something that's going to be for eternity. It's going to be with permanence. And even when there has to be a churban, the churban is only in the form of a mashkan. The form of a mashkan, that you'll get it back, you'll get it back. So it's, it, this is a little bit of a v'nahapachu in of itself, this first idea tonight. Beautiful idea that comes out. So far, far, far from the Torah spoiling the celebration with something gloomy, the Torah is giving us reassurance. The Torah is giving us some chizik over here. It's a message of, even the churban is not really a churban, it's only a mashkin. And that's what Kleisel succeeded in doing over here. It could have been a churban. It could have been a churban. Churban is permanence. No, it's not a churban, it's only a mashkin. A mashkin, we know we'll get back. It's a matter of payments. Payment plan, Akash Baruch made a 70-year payment plan the first time around. Now the payment plan is a little bit longer, a little bit longer, but we know this payment plan also. Um, we should see the end of it very soon. In our days, the end of this payment plan, but we know Akash Baruch has guaranteed us it's a mashkain, it's coming back. Okay, let's move on. So then we go through the accounting and the reckoning over here and what happened, where the gold went, where the silver went, where the copper went. Interesting a little bit is that uh, there are some, you, you make a, you learn the psukim a little bit in the Cheshvan things, ice, and not everything is accounted for in the accounting. There's some discrepancies, some inconsistencies. Torah tells us we're going to get a great pakude accounting of where all the materials went, how much gold they collected. We're given a, a grand total of all the kikar, all, all the talents of gold, how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of shekels of gold were collected, and silver and copper. The Torah tells us very clearly where the silver went and where the gold and where the copper went. The Torah never ends up telling us where the gold went. And we know it was golden in, in the Mishkan, but it's very interesting. The Torah gives a very exact, precise cheshvin accounting of every single shekel of silverware went, every single shekel of copper, but the gold is not mentioned at all. We're just told how much gold was collected, and then we don't hear about the gold again. Okay, all right. There's a, I mean, you go through the parsha. there's a number of issues like this where things kind of appear, disappear, things... Are, some things are discussed, some things are not discussed, but all right, okay, that we're not going to get into right now, the gold, but we're going to get into the silver. And the silver was um, given a very precise amount of silver that was collected. What was the amount of silver that was collected? The, the total, grand total of all the silver was, um, was um, here. Ma'as kikar, a hundred kikar, a hundred kikar of silver, and then 1,750 shkolim. 1, I'm sorry, 1,775. 1,775 
that was the change, plus 100 kikar of silver. That's how much was collected from Kalei Israel. Um, how much is a kikar? 100 kikar. Kikar is 3,000 3, shekel. 3,000 shekel. So Kalei Israel collected a grand total of 301,775 shkolim of silver. And the Torah tells us exactly where all that silver went. Um, 300,000 of it, 100 kikar, went to the sockets that, that formed the base of the Mishkan. And then the extra, and that was, so that was, you know, 100 kikar, there were, there were, it was so exact. So, you know, you see the Hashkacha Pratis over here. Everything was, was, was done with exactitude from Shemayim. There were 50 um, beams. Each beam had two prongs on the bottom. Each prong needed, prong needed a socket. And each socket was, um, was one, one kikar. And so there were 100 sockets sold because there were 50 beams times two. That's 100. And each, there was big blocks of silver. Each one was one kikar, you know, the weight of 3,000 shekel. That was each, each block, each socket. So there were 100 of those that accounted for the 100 kikar. And then the 1775, that went to all the other silver stuff that was there in the Mishkan, all the, the, the vessels and the, the designs around the, the pillars, etc. That's where the rest of the silver went. A very exact, very precise figure over here. And um, it's interesting that if we connect this with what we had back in, in uh, Parshas Kisisa, it turns out that this exact number, what, what made it so exact, what made it so precise? This exact number that, that we ended up having, you know, such a, almost to the shekel, exactly enough. It's like, you think about it, it's like, you know, there was 300,000 shkolem of, of, of silver, plus a little bit change. It's 300,000 plus, you know, 1775, but that's exactly what they needed for all the sockets of all the beams. They need 300,000. The rest went to the various little places of silver. So what, what ended up producing such an exact number? Um, the mathematics are, are, are astonishing over here. So Rashi in the beginning of Kisisa says this number, in fact, really just represents the amount of Jews divided in half. And this number of 301,775 is really just half of 603,550, which was the amount of Jews that were counted. How many Yidin were counted? How many Yidin were there in Klai Yisrael when we did a counting in the, in, in the times of the Mishkan? 603,550. Each one gave what? A half a shekel. A machetz a shekel. Each one had to give a half a shekel. And Rashi, in the beginning, he sees us says that half shekel that they gave went to the construction of the Mishkan and went to specifically the Adon of the sockets. So that's how we came up with such a precise number. But again, you see the hashkoch at work over here. The Mishkan is customi customized to Kleisor. Perhaps Kleisor is customized to the Mishkan. Each socket needed exactly um, one kikar, 3,000 shekel. And there were exactly enough yidin to go around that after we have the half a shekel from 600,000, we end up with 300,000 shkolim. 300,000 shkolims gives me a 100 of these 3,000 shekel blocks, and that's the, the sockets that we need for the mishkan, plus a little bit of change. So now, that being said, no one gave any, any uh, silver beyond that for the mishkan. The, all the silver that went into the mishkan came from the machas shekel. 
And, and again, the math is so close, like exactly what they needed, that, that, that it's, it's mind-blowing when you make this cheshvan. Let's pursue that, though. It's very interesting, you know, as Elon is pointing out, they didn't need any more silver. They didn't ask for any more silver, and no extra silver was given. This was the silver that was given by Kleister, and it went exactly to what they needed. And at the same time, this was the, the only donation in the Mishkan that was compulsory. This was mandatory. Everyone had to give the Machas HaShekel. Which also, you know, on the one hand, okay, I guess if there has to be an exact cheshman of exactly how many sackets we need, so maybe we don't want to rely on coming up with that number. Maybe we're going to get it. Maybe we're not going to get it. This is mandatory. Everyone has to give a half a shekel. We end up with exactly what we need for the sackets. At the same time, there's room for us to ask a question over here. Room for us to ask a question, which is, what's talk of the chat like a mapitom kind of question. Haloi um, that it comes out from all the aspects of the Mishkan, all the materials of the Mishkan, the gold and the copper and the materials, the 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 Elim Adamim and the Avnei Shayam and the Atzei Shitim, the wood, the acacia wood, and the 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 Tzemer and the Argaman, the, the wool that was dyed all kinds of royal colors. All these materials were also critical, crucial, and very necessary for the Mishkan. And without, if we didn't, wouldn't have gotten the right amount, the Mishkan wouldn't be able to function, wouldn't be able to be made. Yet that was that was uh, given over to Kleisos Nadivas Leib. If you want to give, give. It's up to you. If you want to give, please go into hate and give. If you don't want to give, don't give. When it came to everything else, we relied on the magnitude, magnitude, magnanimousness of Klai Yisrael, the generosity of Klai Yisrael, the givingness of Klai Yisrael. Okay, Klai Yisrael wants to give, let them come and give, and we'll take our chances. Everything else, but the silver. When it came to the silver, no, no, everyone has to give. Strange. You know, if we're going to make something compulsory, I would say, maybe the gold for the Arn Kodesh. Everyone has to give gold for the Arn Kodesh, because the Arn Kodesh, that's the, that's the crux, that's the center, that's the that's the that's the 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 the, the merkaz of what the Mishkan's all about. Everyone has to give gold for the for the Arn Kodesh. Everyone's got to give. I don't know the the material for the curtain that hangs between the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kadoshim. What's taka the pshat that of all items to be selected to become mandatory that have to be given according to each and every yid, which again incidentally. Garada ended up producing exactly the amount of sakas that we needed. That was that was that was that that's what ended up having to, because of Ashkocha Prothus. But what's the deeper lesson over here? What's the deeper message? And this was the only aspect of the Mishkan that had to be given. There's got to be some kind of deeper lesson, some kind of deeper message that the Adonim had to be given by Kleiser. What? The gold for the was not mandatory? No. The only thing that was mandatory was the massive shackle that went to the sockets. Why? What tack of the Pshat that? So the Pshat's like this, Rabbi Say. There is something deep and profound going on over here. When it came to everything else, what's that? Only take what you need. Well, that would be good, but we should apply that everywhere, right? We see that silver is the exception. How can we only say that by silver? We don't say about anything else, right? That would be a good thought. But again, silver seems to be an exception. The silver for the sackets, the silver sackets. So what's Taka the Pshat? The Pshat Rebbe says like this. There is something very fascinating, um, very deep going on over here. It's an idea in... The heart of Klai Yisrael, it's an idea that lies at the heart of the Mishkan, it's an idea that lies at the heart of both of these things tied together. When it comes to all the materials in the Mishkan, whether we participate or not is a function of what? Kol Nadiv Leiv. 
any, uh, the generosity of the heart, the givingness of the heart. You want to give, come and give. Gesundheit, we're not going to stop you. Please come and give. We'd love to have you participate. You don't want to give. You don't want to be a part of the Mishkan. That's also fine. It's up to you. That's what it was like with everything, regardless of everything, except for the sockets. Everything else, Kleiser's participation in giving materials for the Mishkan was a function of Nidvas life. How much I'm into it, how much I want to be a part of it, how much I'm excited to it, about it, how much of a passion I have. Okay, so far so good? And that means that the degree to which Klai Yisrael brings the Shechina in, because again, the Mishkan is there to bring the Shechina, the, the, to the degree to which every single member, individual of Klai Yisrael, brings in the Shechina, has to be up to him. You can't force somebody to bring the Shechina. I can force you to bring the Shechina. I can stand there and whip you and say, bring the Shechina, bring the Shechina. And if you're not into it, then you can't bring the Shechina. It has to come from within. Rachman Alibabai. If you have a Nidvas Lev, if you really believe in it, and you really are impassioned, and you really want to be a part of it with your all, you will bring the Shechina, Vada. You're going you're to be a part of it. If you're not into it, if your heart is not into it, your Kavana is not into it, you don't believe in it, you don't want to be a part of it, and someone's kicking it out of you, then you, you can't, by definition, bring the Shechina. The degree to which the Shechina is built, the Mishkan is built, the degree to which I can be a part of the Hashras HaShechina can only be a function of my Nidvas Leiv, of my own personal generosity, my own personal givingness, how much I really want to be a part of it. So it can't be forced, it can't be compelled. But that makes a lot of sense. That's why the Mishkan, the Binyan, the structure, how much each year is going to be a part of the Mishkan has to be up to him. So why is the silver the exception? Why is the Machas HaShekel the exception? And as we see in this week's Parsha, with such precision, it's an exception. And it's more, not just the question, why is silver the exception? Why are the Asakets, the Adan, why is that the exception? The Sakets. There, no, everyone does have to participate. Everyone does have to be present, whether you like it or not. That we are going to kick out of you. That we are going to come banging at your door, asking for your Machas HaShekel. And we're not even going to let your neighbor give to cover you. No, no, no. Where's your Machas HaShekel? Where's your Machas HaShekel? Why is this the exception? If... Bring the Shechina in has to come from within, has to be a function of mind, Nidvas life. Why the Sakas the exception? The answer is it's true that the, the degree to which every Yid is a part of bring the Shechina in has to be voluntary, has to be up to me. But that's what things look like when they're actualized. In actual form, when something is applied, executed, when it comes out into real life, yes, the degree to which I in real life bring the Shechina in, that has to be a function of my own. Passion, my own interest. That's when it's actualized. But in potential form. In potential form, each and every Jew has the ability and the potential to create a place for the Shekhinah. Whether you're actualizing it or not, each and every Jew, by virtue of the fact that you're Jewish, by virtue of the fact that you have a Jewish neshama, by virtue of the fact that you stood at Har Sinai and said Nasa v'nishma and became a Yid, you now have a a a a a a a a a as we call a a piece of kedusha within a spark a spark within that is immutable that is irrevocable that is unchangeable that is unquenchable that gives you the ability to always be able to build whether you're building or not 
Every yid has the potential to build, has the ability to build. Every yid has the ability to bring the shechina, even if he's not acting on it. And that can never be lost. And that Rabbi Yisai shows up where? In the sockets, in the foundation. What are the Adam? The Adonim are the foundation for the Mishkan. The Adonim lay the groundwork to build the Mishkan upon. Without the sockets, you don't have any stability, you don't have any Mishkan. The Mishkan was portable. It went from place to place to place. What kept it erect, what kept it aloft in every one of their campsites was the sockets. The sockets formed the foundation. They didn't have time in every one of their 42 campsites where they went over the 40 years to dig a big pit and, and pour concrete and lay a foundation. They didn't do this. This was portable. The Adar and the sockets are the foundation for the building. They're not the building. They're the foundation for the building. They're the Yisoyed. On a foundational level, as a Yisoyed, every single Yid in Klaiso, every single member, has a foundation upon which he can build the Shechina, upon which he can build the Mishkan, whether or not he's actually actualizing it, whether or not he's building upon it. And that's why this is compelled, and that's why this is kicked out of every single Jew, because every single Jew, whether he's interested or not, whether he has passion or not, whether he's into it or not, he has a, a socket, he has an other, and he has a foundation. Therefore, the Adonim are indeed forced out of every single yid because every yid is an Odin. Every yid is a socket. Every yid is a foundation. What do you want to do on top of that foundation? How much do you want to build? How much do you want to actually bring the Shekhinah? That's up to you. That's your nidva slave. How much you want to build? Because again, the Shekhinah can't be forced. The Shekhinah can never be, can come through compulsion. The Shekhinah can only come when Kleisov brings in the Shekhinah. So you want to bring in a lot, a lot, you're going to be responsible for bringing a lot of the Shekhinah. You really want to take a back seat, you won't bring in any of the Shekhinah. That's Nidva slave. But in terms of each and every Yid being that foundation to bring the Shekhinah, that exists, that's immutable, irrevocable, whether you're building or not. Every Yid, therefore, is, 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 is involved, has a chilek in the Adon and the Sackets. An amazing idea. But let's take that further. With this, we understand, A, why Manishtana over here, what's different about the Sackets and the silver from all the other donations? This is what was forced out of Kleisel, because each and every Yid is always a foundational piece, and you have the ability always to build on top of it, whether you're doing it currently, whether you're not doing it, whether you did or whether you didn't, you can always return to it because you're always a socket, you're always a foundation. And this is why nothing else was forced out of Klaisra. And this is why we have such an exact, precise number of sockets, shkalim, and souls. We have this alignment over here of souls that translates into sockets, that translates into shkalim. As we saw before, the math is astounding. There's 50 krashim that comprise the walls of the base of Mikdash. Each has two prongs. Each prong needed a solid block of silver, three, the 3,000 shekel block of silver. That's 100 sockets, 300,000 shekelim each. That's three, I'm sorry, 3,000 shekelim each. That's 300,000 shekelim that I need. I have 600,000 yin. Each gives a chazi shekel. That's 300,000. And that gives me my sockets. The math is mind-blowing, except it's a little bit off. Because there weren't 600,000 yin, there were 603,550. And this whole vart that we're saying is every yid has, has, is a foundation. Every yid has potential to build. And every yid, therefore, has to be part of the Adonim. It wasn't, it's not true. Not every yid was part of the Adonim. 600,000 yin were part of the Adonim, but 3,550 were not. There was an extra 1,775 that went to the other silver there in the Mishkan, not to the sockets. So the math is almost exactly off, uh, correct, it's just a little bit off. So what do we do with that? The teretz is, no, the, exact, the math is exact. Because let's ask a different question. 
You know, we would want to bring this out as a, as a beautiful Musar Yisoyed for, for us in modern day times over here, that um, each and every Yid nowadays is a Saka, that's true, he's a, he's, he's a foundation. And even the most estranged of Yidin, we have to remember, has so much potential, whether he's actualizing that or not, whether he's building on that or not, whether he's bringing the Shekhinah or not, every Jew that we see is that 3,000 shekel socket who's just waiting with so much potential to be built on top of it. And I, I came to Shul today in the afternoon, and, and, and a year that I never saw before was coming up the stairs with me, walking up to, 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 to CBS over here. And uh, he walked and I said, you know, you're waiting to meet somebody, would you like something? He said, no, I'm here to pray for the Jews of the Ukraine. And he walked in and he said, you have tefillin here, I want to put on tefillin. This year came and put on tefillin and dime for the Jews of the Ukraine. Look at that, you never know what's going to bring out that pentelayid, what's going to bring out that, when, when a yid is going to decide to build on that foundation. That's a foundation that came to, to start building. So that, this, is, this is a very true idea, and it's a whole different take on you know, our brethren that we see walking down the street that we try to encourage to come into the shul, to, 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 to learn with us, to pray with us, to celebrate with us. Each and every one of these yidin is a 3,000 shekel socket with so much potential, and he's waiting to build on top of that potential. And that's the lesson of the Adar. That's the lesson of the, of the beginning of Pekudeh. But wait, wait. Weren't there only 100 Adonim? Weren't there only 300,000 Shkolim that were given, 600,000 half shekels that were given to 300,000 Shkolim that were creating 100 Adonim? Only 600,000 Yidin were privileged to be a part of that. And, you know, nowadays there's what, 14, 15 million Yidin? So how, how, do the, how, how, how do we apply this lesson forwards to, to modern day times? The answer is like this. Why is it that it's 600,000 Jews, 600,000 souls that becomes 300,000 shekels that becomes 100 sackets? Why is that the exact number? The Teretz is, as we know from the holy books, the Svar Makadoshim. The Svar Makadoshim tell us that in Klai Yisrael, there's something called 600,000 basic souls. Okay, now we get into spooky stuff a little bit. We go from souls to shkolem to sackets to spookiness. That's okay. The Svarma Kedoshim tell us that there are three, 600,000 basic souls, neshamas and klaisro. 600,000 is the number of souls that stood at Harsinai. And 600,000 souls are the basic number of souls that have missions, that have jobs, that have assignments here in this world in bringing the world to its destiny and bring Klaisol to its destiny and bringing out Hashem in the world. There are 600,000 basic souls. And that number 600,000 represents the basic amount of souls, re represents the basic amount of assignments, of missions that Klaisol has to accomplish in this world. And those 600,000 can be traced back really to... Um, the 613 mitzvahs, the Svar Makadoshim, the holy books tell us, which goes back to the Yasser Sadibris, which goes back to Hashem, which goes back to Adam Harishon and Gan Eden. Adam Harishon and Gan Eden was given two mitzvahs. Do eat from all the trees in the Gan. Do not eat from the Etadas Taivara. Adam Harishon blew it. Adam Harishon splinters into 600,000 pieces. The holy books tell us. And each of the 600,000 pieces now has a splintered, fragmented job that was it's, it's, it's a, a splintered piece of the original job of Adam himself. 
So his two missions, the assay and the Lysa assay, splinter now into 600,000 missions, and that's the 600,000 souls. Each one is really a fragmented piece of Adam Harishan himself. And each one has a unique assignment that is that when you blend all these 600,000 together, that recreates Adam Harishan and that re- visits the Aveira of the Eitz HaDasa and allows humanity to rectify for that, when all 600,000 come together. So there are 600,000 basic neshamas, which are 600,000 splinter cells of Adam Rishon, and yet we look around and there's 14 million of us. What happened? Teretz is, there aren't now 14 million basic souls, there's only 600,000 basic souls. Everyone that's alive is a sub-neshama of one of the basic 600,000. So, we haven't, so to speak, generated new missions, new jabs. What we have done is taken the 600,000 basic assignments that Adam Rishon splintered into, and we are doubling them up, tripling them up, quadrupling them up. And some Yidin are, let's say, stamming from, are, are stemming from similar splinter cells of Adam Rishon. But there's only 600,000 basic splinter cells. That's it. No more, no less. For eternity. And, you know, Multiple, multiple, multiple yidin will be stemming from the same splinter cell, from the same splinter soul. Okay, everybody got that? That's the idea behind 600,000. 600,000. Why that number specifically? There's uh, mysticism and spooky things going on over there. We have um, a further subdivision of the 12 tribes, 12, which is a divisor of 60, of 600,000. It goes into, it's divided by 12, by the 12 Shvatim. It breaks down into, into subdivisions over there. And all that. Okay, so that's, we might have the mysticism, the spookiness over there. But there's 600,000 basic neshamas. The 600,000 basic neshamas, that's the basic building blocks of the Shechina, bring the Shechina, and the basic building blocks of the sockets, the basic building, building blocks of the Mishkan. The 300,550 was not imprecision over here. It was not, okay, we were a little bit off. That's the beginning of the sub-cells, of the splinter cells of Adam Arishon. These are 3,550 new neshamas that are coming from the basic 600,000 that are coming after um, we have established the 600,000 basic ones. And there are, then that's why these 3,550 are not a part of the sockets, not a part of the adonim, not a part of um, the, the foundation, because the aside again, the aside is distributed amongst the basic neshamas of Klai Yisrael. Every Yid has that potential. So you don't need to give that to the, the additional 3,550 because the 3,550 already have that. You saw already have that Oden in the fact that they are a sub-soul of one of the 600,000 original splinter souls. So what we see something over here, over here is something very interesting, something very fascinating, that already in the Midbar, you already begin to have the splinter cells, the splinter neshamas of the original 600,000, and that's the additional 3,550. So getting back to... The, the modern day take on this, getting back to you know, our outlook over here, again, such a new way and such an inspiring way of looking at Klai Yisrael, looking at uh, Yidin, every Yid, whether he is doing it or not doing it, he's walking around, he's schlepping around this silver socket, a beautiful Aden, a foundational piece upon which you can build an entire Mishkan. And when we see someone who is not yet religious, who is not yet observant, who doesn't yet recognize Hashem and, and, and keep Hashem's commandments, what we have to realize is what we're seeing is a, a socket, so much potential that's waiting 
for a building on top of it, waiting for krushim, waiting for curtains, waiting for gold, waiting for silver, waiting for acacia wood. And uh, we should take this, you know, with, with, a, with, with, with a lot of chizik for ourselves, give all this chizik to others, and chazak, chazak, v'nis chazak, Rabbi Yisai. We should finish Shemois together with a lot of chizik, and give that chizik to everyone around us, and begin Vayikra, Mitzah Hashem, next week, and go into Adar, with a lot of chizik, and see a lot of simcha, and see a lot of v'nahapachu, a lot of Yeshuas, a lot of turnings arounds in, in, in the entire world right now. Chaim Toivim L'Shalom. Kol Tov Shabbos.